Hello, Renoites listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of Renoites. My name is Connor McQuivy. I'm your host, as always. Renoites is the podcast where I talk to folks from Reno who are doing interesting and important things here in the biggest little city. This week on the podcast, I'm very excited to welcome Ed Adkins. You probably know Ed from Crawl Reno, the themed bar crawls that we have here in Reno throughout the year. There's a leprechaun crawl for St. Patrick's Day, a zombie crawl around Halloween, a Santa crawl around Christmas, and several others throughout the year. Ed is the creator of Crawl Reno, has brought the themed bar crawls to our city and made them a pretty fundamental part of our downtown bar scene. Ed and I had a great conversation about how Crawl Reno came to be, the earliest bar crawls, how the crawls have grown and changed over time, some of the challenges with kind of scammy fake bar crawls that are selling tickets online but not actually connected to our local community, all kinds of interesting stuff. It was really great to have Ed on the show. We actually talked for much longer than a normal episode, so there may even be some bonus content or a bonus episode with some of the things we talked about that didn't fit into the regular episode. Very excited to have had him on the show and looking forward to sharing that conversation with you. Before we get into the episode, I'm very excited that a couple people recently have signed up for the Patreon for Renoites. I'm always talking about trying to make this show more sustainable financially. It does take a lot of time and a little bit of money to produce this show, and I want it to be supported by listeners. I don't want to have a lot of ads. I don't want it to be a subscription. I really would just like for, ideally, the show to function largely based on donations. So if you want to help the show be financially sustainable, join the ranks of the patrons who donate to make this show continue to exist. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash renoites. A special shout out to a few of my patrons this week. Thank you so much, Sam Olson from the Olson Group at Remax Gold for joining the ranks of patrons. Really appreciate your support, Sam, as well as Abby from the Abby Agency, Vicky from DJ Trivia, and Mike Van Houten from Downtown Makeover, all great supporters of the show, and I am incredibly grateful for your help in making the show sustainable. Thank you so much. Again, if you want to help contribute to the show, you can do that for as little as a couple dollars a month. Just go to patreon.com slash renoites to learn more. As always, if you have any suggestions for guests or episode topics or any kind of feedback, you can email me anytime. My email address is connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com, or shoot me a message on Instagram. That is the social media I use most often, and it is also a good way to get a hold of me. If you're not following me on Instagram yet, please do that. It's at renoites on Instagram. And now, this week's guest, Mr. Crawl Reno himself, Ed Atkins. Ed Atkins, welcome to Renoites. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I, I've listened to it a bunch. I've loved watching, like I was, I was watching or listening since you started, watching you kind of dig into it and start doing it, mm-hmm. you know, when I say watching, because uh, I kind of happened on it. I, I don't know how, but I do remember being like, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Let's see, let's see where this goes. <laughs> like, I really like what you're doing. Yeah. So it's nice to, you know, be a part of it. It's been really fun to have this kind of variety of guests. And that was the goal when I first started. It was like, I wanted to be like the podcast for everybody in Reno. I don't want it to be overly political or overly partisan and cut off like half of my potential audience. I don't want it to be all about, you know, like there's a ton of arts in Reno, but if all I'm talking about is arts organizations, there's a lot of people who don't care about that. 
businesses. That's like, I think a lot of people who have small businesses or unique businesses like the idea of being on a podcast talking about their business. But as for listeners, I think there are some people who are really interested in all of the various business happenings in Reno. But for a lot of people, that can get real boring real fast. So what I've tried to set out to do is have each season have like a variety of types of guests. So sometimes it's a political person. Sometimes it's a business person. Sometimes it's an arts person. And sometimes it's none of those things. Like I did an episode about earlier this year about running with John Trent, who's in like a running group and he's an ultra marathoner. He's in like 1700 mile Mm. ultras. And I don't run. I don't know anything about running, but (laughs) I I actually hate running. It really sucks. Um, Me too. Yeah, it's terrible. To me, it's, I think it's the ADHD Mm. in me, you know, but uh, it's, it's excruciatingly kind of boring doing the same thing, but I, I got to force myself to do it. And then I, then I hit the point where I enjoy Mm. it. But the idea of running is just abject Oh, I'm horrible. Well, I'm just a baby because as soon as I'm out of breath, I'm like, I need a break. I want to sit down. Uh, <laughs> like I can, I'm fine if my legs hurt. I hike sometimes. So like I like to hike and I don't have a problem with like a long trudge where my legs hurt and I can power through that. But as soon as like my heart is pounding and I'm out of breath, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down. And when I'm trying to run, it's just like, you know, 45 seconds. I'm like, okay, I ran too fast. I'm stopping. <laughs> you know, I've found for me, if I can get my attention on something, then I can kind of do it. Like, like mm-hmm. I just got back from, uh, Burning Man and the amount of biking that I did, biking, walking, sometimes running, I feel like it's the intensity of stimulation that I'm getting. I worked in an arcade for a little while when I was like 13, 14. The amount of kind of like chaos of <laughs> light and sound, that'll get me going because oh, I yeah. can just kind of disappear in my head and then actually do something. And I came back and I was like, I really biked a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's because I need overstimulation of my brain so that I can kind of um, short circuit it into like focusing on running. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think running sometimes this can be just that like a very meditative thing, even though you're running and it's a physical activity. If you're an ADHD type person who like needs a lot of stimulus, sometimes there's not, it's just, Dude, I, it's, the it's tedious. I, I've been doing yoga, I've been doing meditating and I've, I've done some running. And the biggest thing I run into is the moment I calm my brain down for a second, I get a bunch of great ideas. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I need like a pad right, right next to me or something. So that's the problem. It's like I start to focus on it and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm running. And then I'm like, oh my, you know what I need to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I already start thinking bullet points and I'm like, I need to leave this right now to go do this thing. Mm-hmm. And I have to force myself like, you know what? We might forget this perfect idea because we're, we need to do this right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, th- yeah, like the running episode, again, it's like something that I had no knowledge of. But I think that curiosity is really, really important. And I'm finding that over the course of my life, I'm realizing that I am a very curious person. Like, I want to know about people. I want to know about what they do. I want to know what's going on in my city. There's too many things for me to be curious about for me to actually follow up on all of them. So it's, uh, it's, that's a challenge for me, too. Is like, it's such an all-important like, uh, quality in someone. I think that's the scariest thing when you meet somebody who's not curious. Yeah. In fact, I feel like that's the greatest insult. Like telling, like describing somebody as a non-curious mm-hmm. person—that's dangerous. Like they're just dangerous. Yeah. I, I do not like that. It's up there next to like, you know, either generosity or acceptance. Mm-hmm. Curiosity is important. It is a a key to growing. Like you do not grow unless you are seeking things out. Like plants don't grow unless their roots are out climbing through the dirt looking for nutrients. The leaves don't grow unless they're like reaching out for the sun and people don't grow unless they are reaching out for something too. And I think curiosity is kind of 
at the core of that. Like if you are a curious person, you are always reaching out for something and that's where the growth comes from. And that it pairs itself with things like courage or empathy. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the, in, you know, if you look at the opposite, not being curious, you know, it's like, that's a very closed kind of mindset, but like, you know, being curious leads you down all these interesting caverns, you know? Yeah. And this podcast has just been such a great venue for it. Having the opportunity to force people to sit down and talk to me for an hour at a time. Uh, oh, is, yeah. it's, See, it's great. I'm like, like, sign me up. I'll talk for an hour. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Cause when I first started, I was a little worried, like, you know, like podcasts, I fully acknowledge that they have a reputation for being like a very dorky every dude thinks he can have a podcast like podcasts get made fun of a lot uh for good reason because a lot of them are are shit oh it's like come to my improv show yeah and it's just like <laughs> when i started it <laughs> Listen I, to my podcast. I was really just that was a big part of my worry was like oh man i'm gonna be this guy that's like asking people to pay attention to a thing that they don't want to pay attention to and no one's going to want to do it no one's going to listen to it but then what i found is that people do like to talk about what they care about to someone who's genuinely interested in yes. the thing that they care about and that i think is a you know not to boost myself up too much but i think that like giving people that opportunity to sit down and share their story or their passion or the thing that they do with their local community is something that they don't always have the opportunity to do. No. So, so giving people that opportunity, the chance, yeah, yeah, and they do. And that's what I found too, is like, I was afraid people would be like, oh, I don't want to do that. But generally, when I ask people if they want to do the podcast, almost everybody's like, oh yeah, that sounds great. I would love to talk about what I do. Dude, one time I, um, I had the opportunity for a job that I was, uh, I had to get creative to show that I, I was qualified for it. I believed I was. I figured out how to do it, you know, resume wise. But I was like, I got to be ready for the interview. And I had never done that job. And I really wanted it. It was a TV sales manager position. I'd never done sales management or much sales. Mm -hmm. But I called up TV sales managers in town and said I needed to interview them. I just finished my MBA. And I was like, it's a a project for the MBA. Um, (laughs) And I need to like interview you about how you do your job and, you know, what you did when you started and Mm -hmm. how you organize your people and stuff. I'd love to sit down. And I had so many yeses. I sat, I literally... (laughs) This might sound like conning, I don't know. But like <laughs> I sat down with a guy and I he talked to me for like 2 hours mm-hmm. and I asked him everything I thought I would be asked in the interview. Mm-hmm. How do you organize your people? What did you do when you first started? Yeah. You know, what percentage you spend out in the field and and then I I think my interview was like an hour later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just took the same notepad. Yeah. It was a phone interview and just said, "Here's how I spend my time." Mm-hmm. And he cuz he he was he he loved it. Yeah. I I I I think he'd probably get a kick out of finding out like what was going on. <laughs> but like, you know, as I was doing it, I was amazed by like, didn't matter what I asked. I mean, he mm-hmm. just, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a lot harder, but like he blossomed. Like he was so happy. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I had done something for him. And I, that's definitely how I justified maybe not being the most uh, clear about the, the true purpose. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think that that actually matters that much at the end of the day. I think People if, he, love to talk. if he liked to share what he was about, if, you got the information, even if, you know, um, he got me hired as, yeah, even, even, <laughs> even, if, even if during your interview, you're talking about things that you, that you do, which it's you a haven't long time done ago, yet. By the way, I, uh, yeah. um, um, a lot more honest. Yeah. Um, that was just one. Yeah. But it's helpful for you. Even in, like, did you get the job? Oh yeah. No, yeah, I so moved to, uh, Guam. Yeah. So then you end up, um, when you start this job, having a lot more information than you would have had otherwise. So instead of having to, oh, it took them a full like, year to realize I had no idea. Right. <laughs> but that's, I mean, <laughs> it was, that's a pretty a good sign, right? Like if you, uh, if you can fake it for a year based on the conversation that you've had and what you've learned from other people. Well, the moment that I thought, I wonder if I could do this. 
And then, you know, he was so open to talking. And then as we went through, you know, like he got such a kick out of giving me kind of his wisdom. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, it's like he spent each day just trudging through getting things done, having the chance to kind of have, someone's going to chronicle this work I've been doing. Mm -hmm. Um, it really, it filled it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't feel bad one in one iota. Yeah. Um, because yeah, he, he, he was stoked. I totally agree. I think that it's, uh, very rewarding to give people the opportunity to share their stories and whether that's like this on a podcast or whether it's just in regular conversations again comes back to if if you're curious people notice that and they appreciate it you're doing a good thing thanks and it's uh definitely benefiting the town that's what that's what i'm hoping that's my my hope is that you know i've only been doing this for a year and a half and i think that projects like this they take time to grow they take time for people to discover it i always say like in the intro of the podcast i'm like hey there's tens of thousands of daily podcast listeners in Reno, and the vast majority of them, they don't even know the show exists. Like, people are mm-hmm. not, I think, seeking out a local podcast, because I don't think it's, like, that much of a well, like established genre of podcast, right? I've, I've seen what you've gone through with the uh, search algorithm. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that was a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Yeah. And it's funny, because of the I actually fixed it, and all I had to do was I changed the name of the podcast yeah. on Apple Podcasts to Renoites the podcast about Reno, Nevada. And then all of a sudden their algorithm is like, oh, oh. cool, now I get it. It's about Reno. I was like, dude, the, Reno was in all of the, I did everything they told me to do. It was yeah. in all the things. So that was very frustrating. But yeah, no, that's part of the challenge too with a project like this is just continuing to grow over time. But my hope is that, uh, and I say this all the time, I would like for this to be kind of the Reno podcast. Like if you, if you live in Reno you and you listen I mean, to podcasts, you're... like that's the one that, you know, Oh yeah, Connor talks to basically everybody. Like, yeah, I think that you. I've definitely thought this while I was listening to because I've seen you kind of have this goal mm-hmm. and maybe working towards it. I do think that you have created what you are going for, and I picture it's going to be ten years from now. Dignitaries and such <laughs> come through town; they're going to get interviewed by you. No, I, I've, I, I've I, had that I, thought. I've had that picture in my head a couple of times and thought, like, you know, you're going to definitely realize. The dream you're doing, and it's one reason you keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Like that's really it. You know, whether you started off talented in interviewing people or speaking or even doing the technical aspects of the stuff, you keep doing it, mm-hmm. and ninety nine point nine percent of people stop at the idea mm-hmm. or at the, you know, like me. I'll I, if I if I can execute three out of the forty ideas I get each year, you know, I'm stoked. Yeah, the other. 37 right Uh, (laughs) you know i'll get shit for because i you know it's like oh you're always thinking of things you don't do Mm -hmm. and that's where it comes down to it's like just doing something over and over again you're going to you're going to get where you're going because Mm -hmm. you you keep doing it plus you you know you've got a great idea and and, you know i'm a fan my goal when i started really was to make sure that it was something of value because i do think there are a lot of people who have like a whim to do a podcast like project which is fine and i you know you can do that. But I think one of my real focuses was, okay, if I'm going to do this thing, I want to do it well. I want to do it right. I want to create actual value with it. Mm-hmm. And that involves sticking with it. You know, like if you quit after the first challenge, then, you know, you didn't actually create that much. So that has been part of the goal from the very beginning is like, okay, I'm all in on this thing. I spend a lot of time on it. I spend money on it. I invest a lot of my energy into this project because that is the only way that it will work. The, mm-hmm. You know, the day that I stop caring about this podcast is the day that I will stop doing it and it won't exist anymore. So like I have to make sure that, that I'm bringing that to it 
you know, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the crawls. The crawls. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Ed, you do the crawl, Reno. We're three quarters of our way into our episode. We haven't talked about the crawls yet. That's how we think a lot of people in town know you is from the crawls. Let's start from the very beginning. What are the crawls? For people who are not familiar with like the, the bar crawl, the themed bar crawls in mm-hmm. Reno, can you just tell me about like what those events look like for people who haven't been to them? What is, what is a Reno-themed bar crawl? So, um, you know, I've got two minds to answer that question. Like, so the first one would, I'll, I'll just give you the plane and then the kind of higher view of what we're trying to accomplish. The best way to describe it would be like, or the quickest, if you like things like New Year's Eve or St. Patrick's Day, times when collectively large groups decide this is the night to go out and everyone gets dressed up in a costume. If you like nights like that, you know, we kind of just artificially create one. Mm. The way that we do it, you you purchase a, a crawl cup and a map, and the map shows you a list of bars that are participating. It's as easy as you could do it by yourself, you do it with your friends, but you know that everyone's going to be dressed up. Each place is going to be packed. Mm-hmm. Um, what we promise you is you're going to save money going out. So at each place, there's going to be a $4 drink special currently, you know, and a $4 beer special drinking beer. Mm -hmm. And then there will also be different other special features that are listed on the map. Like, so some places will, will go above and beyond and create more immersive experiences or have contests, giveaways. You know, what we do here in Reno is different from, I feel like 90% of the world when they try to do events like this, Mm -hmm. it has to do with the fact that we have the best environment to do it in. So we have these resort casinos, we have uh, several city blocks where it's very dense with bars because we have such a special place. It, it has to do with the people that we have, the environment that we've kind of developed within. You know, no one else can, can do it like we do because here you can stay the night during and after the crawl at this like super cool resort casino. The area is so dense with bars that you can go from one to the next and you see all the next ones you're going to go to. Mm-hmm. You, know, you do not have to go, you know, miles to hit the next spot and you don't have to worry about going through some, you know, dark shaded area in between because everything is close together. Mm-hmm. You know, so so that's kind of the one aspect is it's a big night. You can either plan from coming in from out of town or here to go, I'm going to go out with my friends. I'm going to stay at this place. You know, I think everyone, most, okay, not everyone. I have to remember not everyone's like a, you know, chronic extrovert like myself. <laughs> right. But a lot of people have the idea of like the epic night out. Mm-hmm. You know, we craft that for you. You basically sign up for it and you're going to have it. Gotcha. That's a, just looking straight at it, here is a description. Mm-hmm. Taken a little bit from the perspective of like, what do people enjoy? I, I look at it like this. A lot of times people are going out. They'll decide, okay, I'm going to pick a few friends and then we're going to go out. One of them gets to wherever they're going first and they, you know, the others will say, hey, what's the scene like? Mm. And they're asking, are there people there? Mm-hmm. So what we do is we provide a night where everywhere people will be there. Mm-hmm. It will be packed because that's something that we want. And I think the reason why we want it, you know, we want to connect with people, but also, you know, one powerful thing about like someone having a good time is anonymity. So if you go to like see a comedy show and the lights are on, no one's going to laugh. If there's 20 people in there, no one's going to laugh. Mm-hmm. But the lights go down 
and the place is packed. Mm-hmm. And man, as like coming from a comedian's perspective, it's easier to make 400 or especially 4,000 people laugh than it will ever be to make four. Four people staring right at you, <laughs> you know, is soul sucking and terrifying. Yeah. And they don't want to laugh because there's no end. They see themselves. Mm. Like, I don't like to go dancing if there's four people on the dance floor because everyone's going to see how bad I am. Yeah. But if it's packed, mm-hmm. no one can see me. I can't see me. I'm not thinking about me. And so I think people feel a lot more out of themselves and able to be gregarious and able to kind of be their best social self mm-hmm. if they don't see themselves. So we provide a night where you're, you're wearing a costume. Mm. Well, you're not yourself. You're also included in the group. Everyone's going to high five you because everyone's dressed like penguins. Right. You're dressed like a penguin. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, I fin me. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing, you know, obviously we make it, you know, cheap for everybody, but I feel like those mechanics are at work mm-hmm. because going into a place, it's packed. You know, you're going to connect with a lot of people. And then, you know, you're something other than yourself. So people are seeing, you know, what you're projecting. And lights down and you know it's like i'm anonymous and now i'm having a lot more fun than i usually would Mm -hmm. that's what we try to provide and that draws a lot of people people really like that yeah how how did um how did you get started what was like the first crawl is this something that you Mm -hmm. knew existed other places is something that you were like enjoying the experience on the crowded nights and wanted to create additional of those or what was kind of like the earliest reno crawls so the santa crawl was the first you know big crawl here and I actually had never gone on it before. I'd never been on a bar crawl. Uh, but my birthday is in October and I've always loved Halloween. Like it's just, it, that's my jam, mm-hmm. you know, spooky season, my thing. Yeah. And I've always loved zombies. Huge. I was always a huge fan of zombies. And that year Halloween was, so my birthday's in the beginning of October, but like, I kind of really feel like it's, it's Halloween. It should be Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Halloween was on a Friday night that year. And I thought, man, Halloween's on a Friday night. We should do it up. Mm. And back, you know, in 2007, I think it was, was when we did it. It might have been 2008. I think 2008 was the first one. Back then, Halloween was actually not a big night for bars. Mm. Um, it was still kind of just a kid's holiday. You know, it transitioned to an adult holiday mm-hmm. since then. So I just thought, I want to do a bar crawl with my friends. I started putting up posters mm-hmm. um, and, and flyers. I used to, I love doing events. Like I've, I've done events since I was a kid. Like I put on like my first concert with my friends at like 16, mm-hmm. you know, it's like five bands for five bucks, t-shirts, tickets, nice. radio ads. Like we, I just like doing events. Mm-hmm. I also, I started like, I think I started like a Twitter profile. Mm-hmm. So between tweeting and putting up, you know, posters and stuff, my friends came out and about 300 people came out. And I remember just being like, I love this so much. Dude, I... Like when I say I'm an extrovert, it's mm-hmm. like it's like helicopter drop me into a middle of a prison riot. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> guys, this is so funny. I mean, I wouldn't make it very long, but for those 42 seconds that I survived, I just love it. I love kinetic energy, you mm-hmm. know, and I love people having a fun time. So that night, I mean, up till 7.45, it started at eight, mm-hmm. up till 7.45, I'm convinced no one's going to show up. I remember I am, I printed off a bunch of maps at work on the you know, work computer. Mm-hmm. I drove to Savers at probably seven thirty, almost like it was late, maybe seven o'clock. Go to Savers. I scrambled and put together like a black. I kind of go for the the uh, classic zombie, mm-hmm. you know, from the beginning of Night of the Living Dead. That Barbara, they're going to get you. That that one guy who was coming after her in the in the cemetery. 
gray black suit, you know, white shirt. I've been buried in this look. Mm-hmm. I slap that together, come home feverishly. I, I'm surprised I still have like 10 digits. Just chopped it up with scissors, um, threw it on, took makeup and just smeared it on. I was going in such a, you know, fury, sprayed myself with a whole bunch of blood, mm-hmm. grabbed the, you know, the, the maps I'd printed on the work computer, ran down there, got there at like 745. A few of my friends had come in and I'm thinking, okay, cool, cool. And we had like, we had makeup people who were going to zombify people as we went because mm. like, it was the first time. So we figured, um, so they were all set up and we're all kind of tapping the table, you know, thinking like, is this going to happen? And then like, people just start pouring in and pouring in, just even talking about it. Like, you know, if I were like a, like a cartoon thermometer mm-hmm. it just fucking hit the top. I remember being so tickled. It was a route that night. Oh, okay. And there's so many wonderful moments. Like, um. There was a bar called Strega. Now it, it's a coffee mm-hmm. shop on uh, Arlington. Yeah, yeah, where Walden's is now, right? Yes. Yeah. The crawl started at what is now the Brazilian Steakhouse, and it was a bar called Amendment 21. Shout out, Amendment 21, great community, good people. He, the, the owner at the time supported me so much in doing these. People started at, they were going from Red Rock to Strega, which is now the, and you had to walk down like an alley, you know, there's 300 people. Mm-hmm start shuffling down that alley towards the other place. And I ran ahead. Mm-hmm. I get to Strega and there was um, a cup. There's like pillars in front and there was like a couple people there. And, and we all kind of noticed that as everyone was shuffling down the alley, this is the closest we'll get to being in a zombie mood, like, like living in a, z- because it was, it freaks you out a little, like seeing everyone do the slow shuffle down, even though this is because they're drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, we're living it. Yeah. We're living the stuff we've seen. It's like walking into a book or walking in. Like, I love moments like that mm-hmm. so much. I love immersive moments. There were two girls dressed like uh, military people, and they popped up onto the pillars and started dancing like go-go dancers because they're just like, let's, let's make this thing even cooler. And as everyone, like, I just remember all, like, watching as everyone shuffled in, shuffled around the corner, came through, came past the, like, military go-go dancers, and then... I mean, not like I'm promoting the military, by the way. Love our uh, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers in service to the country. Huge fan of you guys. But also at the same time, you know, we, we all would love it if we didn't need that. That was my caveat. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's shuffling in and it was just like, my heart was full. I was definitely crying. And over something so silly. Like, I love saying like, we're very serious about silly events. Mm. But we provided something. All of us felt like, man. We just created something cool that just happened. Yeah. And it will never happen. Like it was just then. I mm-hmm. love that more than anything. I love creating a moment. Mm-hmm. Like that night, I kept on going a couple bars ahead, a couple bars behind, making sure everyone's having a fun time. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, all right, I definitely want to do this often. Yeah. So for the next couple of years, I mean, it was free to do. It was just my party. I'd, I'd drop a few hundred bucks into like my big party. Mm hmm. We did another one. The bars wanted another event. We did a couple others. One was like a Valentine's vampire crawl we did for a few years. Okay. It was fun until Twilight got popular. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone hated it. It was a great a kind of anti-Valentine's, like underground mm. type thing. And then once it got big, because it actually got bigger faster than the zombie crawl at first. Once it got big, everyone's like, why are we, why are we dressed like vampires? Mm. <laughs> on valentine's like, well it made sense when it was anti right um that was just my thing and then and then one day 
the guy from Amendment 21, Mike Malady, the owner. I had gotten back from Burning Man. This is two, three years later. I was tired. I came back to find out a friend of mine was like running a, decided he was going to do a crawl and going to do it at the same time. And I was like, I hate competition. I really do. I'd rather collaborate with people. Mm-hmm. Competition just makes me tired. Yeah. You know, because it turns me into somebody I don't want to be. Right. And I came to Mike and I said, man, I'm tired. This thing's happening. I don't want it to be a big thing. And I don't think I'm going to do the crawls anymore. I remember his face just dropped. He said, you are. <laughs> uh, come to lunch with me tomorrow. And he's super smart. This guy, he's an accountant. And he also really understood events. He's like, you know, he's like, come over, come, come for lunch and see, you know, here, I'll buy you lunch and let's sit down and talk. He laid out for me. He said, this year, 3,000 people are going to come and you're going to charge money and you're going to get cups, you know, because people will want a better production. Because mm-hmm. I remember even, you know, that first year we ran out of maps. No, the second year it was still free and you just got a free map. And I remember like I ran out of maps and I had to run to Kinko's. And I'd found like, as I forgot my wallet. So like I found like a 20 on the floor of the bar as I ran out and was like, here's a $20 bill. How many of these can you make? And it was like, I had to find that discarded from, so so it was like all kind of crinkled up mm-hmm. and stuff. And the person working like totally hooked me up. I'm very happy. I ran back. So we, yeah, it's like, I don't know, Mike, man, I don't think we're going to have that many people come. And he's like, no, you've built really cool community. People are going to, you know, they're definitely going to pay for what you're offering mm-hmm. and they're going to show up. And I thought, okay, if you believe it, and uh, you know, bought a few thousand cups, and you know, fast forward, it's uh, nine p.m. Like the crawl has been going for an hour. We have a line for like four people wide from the table in front of what's now the Brazilian Steakhouse down to Wild Orchid, which is like a block, block and a half. Yeah. And we're about to run out of cups. There has been a line of 10 cabs in front of the place the entire night. It is the most beautiful kind of chaos. Like as far as just lots of people, everyone's having a fun time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just remember like, I'm doing the math on the numbers and I had to just like run up and down the line and go, guys, we're about to run out. And mm-hmm. they were going to riot. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. He was like, this could be your job. Yeah. Did you have like a realization at that point? We're like, oh, this is like a real deal. <laughs> Kind of. I mean, to me, it was still just something I wanted to make happen rather than something I thought I would you know, benefit that much from. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that I was going from like losing money because, you know, people ask me now, I want to start a crawl because uh, they figure it's going to make them a ton of money. I'm like, you know what? Can you lose money the first two years? Because mm-hmm. you got to build community. Right. It was the first time instead of losing that I had some money in my pocket. Mm. And um, I don't know if I should tell this part. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 you can tell it and then I can edit it out if you my change your mind. <laughs> I, you know, I was like, can we just strip off our clothes? And then I was like, shake this over you like a music <laughs> video. Let's <laughs> make it rain. And uh, I am, if not anything, I'm a very indulged person. Mm. People are too nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it was the first i was like this is this is cool and then it it doubled each year from that point and it took a few more years before because i i was doing um when this just started we started a uh, co-working place called the reno collective hmm. Jeez, in the beginning the crawl was kind of like just putting the our logo because we hadn't actually started yet putting our logo on the on the poster 
you know, legitimized. Yeah. This is going to be a real thing. We parted ways a few years later. I'm great at starting things. I am very bad at keeping them going. Mm. I'm not a great day-to-day boss. One of my best friends, he said, uh, basically something like, you don't know how to build a boat, but you can really get people to dream of the sea. You know, I can get, I can gather everybody around and let's do something, you know, but don't work for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not good at keeping things going you know that's what i love about events as soon as Mm. they're over they're burnt down they're over Mm. and now it's let's 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 do the brand new one it also great for the adhd because Mm -hmm. uh, once an event is over i get a few days to kind of get my bearings i don't have to do anything for a couple days Mm -hmm. and then start planning and working and and it kind of exponentially goes up until it has drained me dry Mm -hmm. and we've created something great and then back to the like I got to hibernate and no one, I don't return calls for a couple of days because I'm just like curled up with a blanket right. and, you know, sideways watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. That works great. That pattern works great for me mm-hmm. as a, uh, you know, person putting on events, but employers really do not wish mm-hmm. for their people to, and partners and things. Uh, anyhow, slowly over years, it kind of overtook my freelance work that I was doing and just kind of choked it out mm-hmm. as the crawls got bigger. And then it, it slowly became, you know, it took a good five to seven years before it became like my full-time job. Mm-hmm. So now I'm very, I'm intensely lucky I get to like wake up every day and do the stupid, create these fun events. Oh yeah, it's fun. I mean, it, that's the dream is having a job that is like the fun thing that you enjoy doing. That doesn't become work in quotes, you know, like because I was an artist, the idea of it being work kind of chilled me every once in a while. This is something that, yeah, consistently I get to, you know, I've got some, I got some reminders in my office about like, you know, like I have to do stop myself and go, why am I doing this mm-hmm. sometimes? But I'd say 90% of the time, you know, it's not hard for me to be like, this is so cool. Yeah. Um, how many crawls a year do you do now? It depends. Uh, we've done like at most maybe 10 in a year. Okay. That's, that's almost one a month. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, and what's crazy about it is they change in size. You know, there's mm-hmm. like some that are 500 and some that are 15,000. And they all take kind of the same amount of work. Mm. But we put them on for different reasons. Like we had a steampunk crawl we did for a while mm. and max, maybe 600 people. But man, you know, we gave people a chance to come out and wear things they'd spent years building. Mm hmm. Like just looking at the photos from that, we'd and we'd get like all these steampunk art cars to come out, and, and we'd uh, hire stilt walkers and a brass band, and found some like um, steampunk improv people from the bay to come down and pretend like they were the ones putting it on. Oh, okay. The first year, I think even um, Avenue Q, I think the musical with the with the puppets, puppets yeah, one of them had a steampunk outfit for their puppet and they came down and performed like at one of the places and we'd have like people in cellos and the play- we'd put like tarot car readers and all kinds of other performers we'd get all these mm-hmm. people to come down and we probably lost money on that event each year but it's about putting something really cool on and when we had the chance to do it it was kind of like let's do it and it's the experience just as much as everything else mm-hmm. so when we look at like the the full year of what we've done yeah some of them did well and now we're able to keep working mm-hmm. as a company, but then others were really important for us to do because it's that moment creation that if I wasn't doing that, I would get choked out quickly by putting them on. Like one year we gave away a zombie wedding, oh, that's fun. like wedding, <laughs> you know, with like uh, reception and like honeymoon. But a lot of what's great about doing events or just even kind of having your mind open to like, well, what could we do? Let's create something cool. Is that when you get the opportunity to do something, 
it can kind of just slip in. So someone had, you know, it was like, oh, we have all these tuxedos. And then it was Junkie, uh, one of our sponsors, mm. you know, they had uh, these white tuxedos and they're like, what should we do with them? And then I was like, I want to do a zombie wedding. Like, because they were like, let's do a fashion show. So let's do it. Let's give away a wedding. Mm. And then uh, it just kind of craft before they had their, their garage open. They let us use it mm-hmm. to do the reception. We basically did a contest. Send us your idea. Anybody who wants to get married, mm-hmm. I officiate weddings. And so I was like, you know, I'll do it and we'll do it full zombie. And it was, they, Junkie did the costumes like professional. Mm-hmm. We carved carrots uh, and put rings on it. So they were exchanging wedding ring fingers. <laughs> <laughs> the groom like bit it with a very satisfying <laughs> crunch. Like uh, when he presented it, you know, it's like that kind of stuff. We always have to like create little tiny things within it, like bubbles of fun mm-hmm. so that it doesn't become rote. Yeah. It doesn't become, it, you know, I never wanted to just be like a formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just like a grind that you're doing the same thing every year. Cause like our, one of the biggest kind of threats to putting on interesting, fun, local things is over the years, there's been companies that realize, Oh, bar crawl. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. we'll do that. It's like they take everything that's good about it and take that out and just sell tickets. Mm. And when you're big and you have a lot of money, you can sell tickets. And when you're not local, you can run away when everyone's like, what did I just pay for? Mm. And so these companies, they'll say they're running a bar crawl. Now, you know, it's like if, if you don't, if you're not careful, like in town, you'll go to buy one of our tickets and maybe online get sold one of these. They have dumb names, you know, it's like. Zippy crawl, ultimate super crazy bar crawl. And they'll say like, you know, the official Reno bar crawl, just mm. like they're saying in the other 500 cities, they just launched events in. Yeah. I'd say events in quotes, because literally all they do is sell tickets. They don't put together, you know, you get a great map, you get a lot of heart and soul put into it, mm-hmm. and you get someone who's coaching the places to do something cool. These guys, they call up, they, they call up a bar and say, you want to be on our bar crawl? And they get a couple of yeses, maybe from people who were just answering the phone. Mm. And then they sell you a $20 ticket to what they call as a bar call. And you think you're going on our event. And then you find out, yeah, there's three bars on. Mm. No one even knows they're on. Right. And then we get all these phone calls. You know, what happened? And we're like, I'm so sorry. You know, you, you got scammed. And these, they're proliferating. I try not to fault like, like the bars who get involved and stuff like that. Cause it's like, everybody needs to make money right yeah. now, you know? But on the other hand... I think it's important to not let them in the town because what we've created is so special and it draws people from all over. I'm fiercely protected because I, you know, it's like what we put on, we put our, we put everything into. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind me telling you a story, about a week or two ago, I was checking our DMs and I get a message from one of these companies. (laughs) It says, it's like, uh, oh, first they put a comment on one of our pictures. Nice photo. It was really personalized. You know, they put a lot of thought into it. Right. Nice photo. <laughs> I think they put an exclamation point on. Then the next comment was, hey, we slid into your DMs. Check it out. So I'm intrigued. And these guys, they're multimillionaires. They announced two, 300 events at once on Facebook. And so the algorithm, the amount of uh, responses they get just goes ex- up exponentially. Right. And so Facebook gives them basically free advertising everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so they sell a lot of tickets. So the message says, hey, we put on bar crawls and we're doing it in Dallas, Texas, and we'd love to have you on. Man, I felt so chosen. So I responded because, you know, they apparently think I'm a venue. Mm. 
Crawl Reno. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, which Dallas bar crawl would you like me to be on? I can't wait to hear. And then I get another message. Well, who's the contact? Who should I talk to? And he keeps on he or she. This person was so pushy. They've got to be a dude. Pushy and uh, completely oblivious mm. to the responses they were getting. So, you know, I'm a dude. Calm down. It's okay. But it is a bit of a blind spot we have, guys. So I say, yeah, they were like, well, who should I talk to? Who should I talk to? And eventually they were like, we got to get a meeting. Then I think, I think at this point they might have actually figured out I'm not a venue and mm. I'm in Reno. No, no, they didn't realize I'm in Reno yet. I was like, well, look, I'll talk to you once you cancel your planned crawls here. What? And I was like, well, all you do is confuse the marketplace. Mm. You're not contributing anything to anyone. You leave without having to deal with the mess you've created and just come back to sell more tickets. Mm. So cancel those and I'll, we'd love to get on the phone with you. Because they started saying, well, we'll sell your tickets to your event. We sell so many tickets. And I was like, yeah, no, I'll talk to you as soon as you cancel everything in Reno, Nevada. Mm. And then eventually the guy says, uh, well, look, just sit down with my CEO. So the move now is... We know what we're doing and we want to shake you down and kind of make mm. you afraid or whatever. Like, and then I kind of doubled down with like, you know, as soon as you cancel your thing. And then he says, I, I understand why you'd be so afraid to talk to our CEO. He is the most successful ticket seller in the nation. And I do have some pride. Mm. I did hear someone just tell me I'm afraid, but I'm also a really good troll mm. and a troll does not get upset. A troll just continues to troll. So I was like, <laughs> I was not going to address the afraid part. I was just like, um, you thought I was a bar in Texas. And then they were like, well, we're going to continue doing this and we're going to put on the best crawls in Reno, Nevada. We're basically going to run you out. Mm. Oh, no, he says, he says, we've got thousands of bars, hundreds of contacts. So sometimes, yeah, maybe I don't know who I'm talking to. And that was when, yeah, I said, uh, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of bars that you deal with. It's really impressive. Does everyone feel like they're getting the uh, Dallas, Texas personal touch like me? And they, they just stopped yeah. speaking with me. But that whole thing, it's like, I try not to be over aware because you'll just go nuts mm-hmm. if you're just always in fight or flight or always in scanning for problems. Mm-hmm. But it's there. You know, if they had a chance, they'd just sell a bunch of tickets to a bunch of people and they'd have a bad time. And so we, we don't work with bars that work with them mm, okay. because it's like, hey man, you know, we have pride in what we're doing. Yeah. And if you think it's okay, like to be a part of something that is obviously scamming people, whatever you got to do, I'm not going to judge you too much mm-hmm. on a podcast, <laughs> um, but on the same side, like, hey, you know, let's keep it real. And Well, I would imagine that over the years, like the relationships that you do have with the bars that are on the crawls are like incredibly valuable. You've worked with these bars over and over and over again, and you've built these relationships. And that's yeah, something that, like, that no one from out of town, you know, they may have, like you said, a couple of bars that they can call and that might sign up and agree to it, but they don't have the kind of relationships that you've Yeah. Done. And I mean, dude, I have run a bar very poorly, so I have much respect. <laughs> I ran one into the ground, but like, so I have a ton of respect for anybody who, who runs. That is a that is a huge gamble of a business. You're putting your neck on the line every night. You, you can't phone it in. You've got to do the very, very best. And so I have so much respect. And I don't expect for them to care about me or my business. But I'm lucky, yeah, that I've got... Reno's got the most realist people, man. Mm-hmm. I've got to say that. Reno is just a town full of the most real, unpretentious, 
great people. You know, like when people say like, you know, that's the kind of person I'd want to have a beer with. That's Reno. Mm -hmm. Reno is the city you'd want to have a beer with. We're really lucky that we have the most amazing, loyal people who support us, whether we are killing it or whether we are um, struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, And they know that we will fight and do anything to keep their businesses open. The moment that always breaks me is around midnight, in a good way, the night of the crawl. When I look around and see just every place packed, and I just slip away from everyone, you know, and I just still stand there by myself, just looking at all these places that are packed and knowing they're going to make it through the fall, mm-hmm. and they'll say, this is the shot in the arm we need. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, man, I'm not going to get any happier. You know, no one's going to get that from some Yahoo in an office in, you know, New York City or Minneapolis or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, they know that you know, we're crafting something for them and they, they respect that and care for it. And they take care of us. They're, they're the ones who let me know, you know, when they get contacted to do this stuff, they'll say, here's the email. Mm -hmm. We're watching out for you, Ed. That means the world. Where do you uh, think the crawls are going to go? What are your plans? What are the, what is the, what is the future of Reno's bar crawl world look like? I won't say the stuff I've got planned. Sorry, because um, the more I talk about something, the less it happens. Oh, okay. You know? <laughs> but I will say this, bar crawls are evolving. We put a lot of thought into ch- making any changes that we do. And we also, we think very deeply about the impacts that we have. It takes us a long time to add one, mm-hmm. unless it's just something so popular that everyone's just dying for it. Like when we did the Pokemon crawl. So yeah, we take a really thoughtful look at things before adding anything, but we are making some cool moves this year that I think are going to satisfy people. This last year, we, we always experiment a little bit. We did a mimosa crawl during the day. Mm-hmm. The response to that was just amazing. And what we heard, we, we tried to do a lot of, like, listen to a lot of feedback. And um, what we heard was, you know, the crawlers who have been with us for 10 years, uh, the ones from the beginning, probably, you know, they're like, oh, I can't stay out late. Right. Like I used to, so this is great. I can go to this and then go take a nap. Yeah, that part was great. And then the kind of you know folks who maybe um, were intimidated about costumes. Now costumes, I feel like, are really important for a lot of our big crawls. If you can't put a costume on, you're no fun. Don't come out. You know, and we keep a lot of people out who would just phone it in. Oh no, that hurts. I, I'm not a costume person <laughs> no, at all. Okay, I don't mean it. I don't mean it in the sense of people who don't like it. I mean people who are too cool. I don't know. I, I think that it does do a certain element. It's mm-hmm. Oh, like, for sure. I know the crawls aren't for everyone. I never went on one before, like before I started running them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I have no problem when I'm out. Like I was out at a bar and there was this one person was like, yeah, the crawls, I don't like them. And somebody, I don't like them either. And I don't like them. And then it continued to grow. And I'm just keeping my mouth shut because <laughs> I just wanted to have a beer. Then somebody goes, hey, he's that guy. And then everyone shuts up. And the bartender even was like, you know, uh, and and came up to me later and said, you know, hey, hey no, I love what you do. I, love, I was like, hey, man, I don't need everybody to love them. Right. 15,000 people do. Right. <laughs> I don't need any more validation than that. Yeah. Uh, but I understand it being busy mm-hmm. is not everybody's game. Like, not everybody likes that. Mm-hmm. It being um, full of people who don't go out often is another thing that some people mm-hmm. really don't like. I love it. But you know, it's one of the only things that I love that are kind of mass loved. I, you know, I still have a little bit of that angsty nineties kid. Who's just like, a lot of people like it. I don't, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I liked it before. Right. So, you know, I totally get it, you know, but like, um, uh, as far as what, where we're going, we're 
reacting as usual to like, I feel like what trends we're seeing, things like those afternoon events, like people really seemed to love Mm -hmm. giving people a chance to do new stuff is always big for us. So we're kind of scanning the environment to see, you know, what's a theme that people love, you know, that we can get behind. Mm -hmm. Basically, I can't wait to find out what's super popular at the beginning of the year next year. So we can kind of come up with something new that we haven't done before. We, um, we love getting, you know, requests too. So like once we get a lot of requests and then we usually have like an intern or two and they're, they're usually come up with like the best ideas Mm -hmm. I've learned, like by not listening to them and then finding out years later that people love it. Like usually whoever had just, has just hit the scene kind of knows what people love a lot more than I do. Gotcha. Well, I mean, that's bound to happen after years and years, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Where can people find out more if people want to see what crawls are coming up, like social media, your website? What's the, where can you send folks to uh, get tuned in? Um, crawlreno.com. That is the one-stop shop mm-hmm. for you to check out our goofy events. We're on, you know, all of the socials too, but like, you know, just going to crawlreno.com mm-hmm. will be where to uh, get information on what we're doing. We have uh, a new website coming out, so that'll be fun. I just can't wait to show everybody what we got going on in 2023. Our two biggest of the year, the zombie crawl is coming um, October 22nd. And that's, you know, close to the heart. This is the first year that we're running the Reno Santa crawl. And that's like 21 years in. It's the granddaddy, the one that started it all. Uh The one we owe ourselves to. This last year, we took it over from the folks who've been running it. Matthew Godert, basically over 20 years ago, one night he, he bought 12 of his friends um, Santa costumes and said, let's go drinking. Cause he's, he's, he's just like me. He likes mm. goofy stuff and be close to people and have good friends. Yeah. He built it up into something amazing. This is the first year we're taking it over from, from those guys. We're still partnering with them. It's still a portion of the money's going to the schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I take it as a big honor that we get to do it this year. Super, super excited. We're bringing back the photo under the arch. Oh, um, right. It's been gone for a couple of years. Um, massive photo under the arch. I feel like it's Reno's New York City Times Square ball drop. Mm. That's what it is to me. And we're actually going to be doing it not only for the Santa Crawl, but we want to do it for the zombie crawl because we used to do this thing, Thriller Under the Arch. We're just going to call that also Photo Under the Arch, like Zombies Under the Arch, Santa's Under the Arch, and then in March, Leprechauns because an ocean of red, an ocean of green, and then an ocean of, you know, apocalypse. (laughs) I feel like our three really iconic photos that, that show off uh, just the kind of fun, dorky stuff we could do in Reno. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, I'm very excited. I've only been to one crawl before. I went on the Leprechaun crawl years ago, but I'm excited about some of these new ones and need to drag myself out there. Like I said, I'm not much of a costume guy usually, but you're right. I think when you have you know the vibe there and that anonymity and all of the crowd there, I think the comfort does kind of follow from that. So I might have to borrow a costume and, and head out again. Just a question. Is it the feeling of like not being your authentic, uh, like, do you get a little bit bristled by that idea? Absolutely. That's, I think that's the, the real core of it is that I have this aversion. I don't know where it comes from, but just to like artifice in general, things that like feel fake or unnatural or dishonest, whatever. It seems ridiculous to say the dressing up in a, in a costume is being dishonest because it's not, it's just a costume. But whenever I'm basically wearing anything that, feels like it's not me or not mine or not forced. natural. Uh, yeah, it feels, it feels forced. It feels unnatural. Um, and I just get this little bit of discomfort with it. Um, so Halloween's like one of my least favorite holidays. Um, there's also this anxiety around the judgment of like, is your costume good enough? Are you, you know, and. Oh man, that's a lot of things to be stressed about. Yeah, I know. Like, so that's, that's the reason I avoid is like, it cre- creates weird stresses for me. So oddly, I get it. Mm. 
like for instance, you know, like I like going to Burning Man, but I have a hard time when people say, you're home. Anything where I feel like, oh, this is the thing I'm supposed to do. Oh, that, that part of me is just like, no, it's not. So I get that. And I get that like, uh, that, that this is not my authentic self. Mm-hmm. I would only respond to that with, give it a chance. And uh, I will welcome you to come raid my little costume closet here. We might find something you go, hey, wow, this actually feels like me. Yeah. But I think, yeah, you know, getting past that discomfort, there's a whole world of kind of, you know, exploring things sometimes when we get past our, I'm not, I don't want to say hangups, but like, mm-hmm. um, and you don't have to do it, but uh, I'd love to have you come out. Yeah. Well, um, I think there is real value in kind of like pushing through discomfort in any kind of way. Um, and it seems like a, a silly example to be like wearing costumes and going out drinking. I absolutely get it. <laughs> I 100% get it. Uh, we wouldn't have the kind of experiences that we get, you know, unless we kind of push through sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I would say there is, you know, on the other side of the, of that hill, there is potentially a really fun time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ed, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was really thank awesome you. to learn about the crawls and get to chat with you about a whole bunch of stuff. Like I always say in these interviews, like I, really appreciate the opportunity to learn about people that are doing things in reno that we're all aware of like everyone knows that reno has all of these fun crawls but hearing kind of the background and the stories i think really kind of sheds a lot of light on why it's important and why it's cool and that's an important part of what makes these events special is why they exist why we do them and hearing how passionate you are about creating events and this kind of stuff it's it can sound hokey i really i have a hard time with pr and so when i got my i think my undergrad in um and I joke that we all should be drowned, but you know, not to sound too PRE, but like I feel like we're a loneliness fighting company. Like that's what we do. We're side by side with you in the war against loneliness. It, that might sound a little hokey and everything, but man, when I find out how many people met their spouses on the crawl or they have like stories they can tell all the time. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a security guy and he was like, Man, I went on your crawl last year and my friends found me in a tree in front of the El Dorado. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like his job is to keep people from doing stuff like that. Boy, did he enjoy doing it. There is something special to it, if not important, that we do. And that's, yeah, fight, fight the loneliness. Amazing. I love that. Thank you so much. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks so much. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Renoites. And special thanks to my guest this week, Ed Adkins. Really appreciate him coming on the show. We had a great conversation. Hopefully some bonus content, an extra episode with all of the extra behind-the-scenes conversation we had. We talked for probably 40 minutes before we even got into the episode this week. Just thanks again, Ed, for coming on the show. Really great to get a chance to talk about the crawls and your connection with Reno. If you enjoyed this episode or any other, if you're a Renoites fan, or who knows, maybe this is the first episode you've listened to, please do me a favor and spread the word. Word of mouth is everything to a project like this. I do social media, but it's hard to let everybody in town know that this podcast exists. So that's where you come in. Do me a favor. If you share posts on Facebook, tell your friends or family, generally spread the word about the show, that makes the difference between whether we find new listeners or not. I really appreciate your support in helping the show to grow. And again, if you want to support the show financially, you can do that on Patreon at patreon.com slash This season of Renoites is produced by myself and Lynn Lazaro. And that is all I've got for you this week. See you next time.